everybody. Welcome into the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network and all of your favorite podcasting apps. It's Thursday, January 16th, 2020. I'm your host, Kevin McGuire, welcoming you to a brand new edition of the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast. And we have a lot to get into in today's episode. It's our first episode since the official conclusion of the college football season with LSU topping uh, Clemson for the national championship Monday night. So now let's get into offseason mode. And of course, we are going to start with a little bit of an unsettling story regarding Penn State and James Franklin. Got to do it, folks. So, you know, we'll talk about the good. We'll talk about the bad and the ugly when we ever we have to. Uh, we will be talking about the lawsuit that was filed against James Franklin and Penn State in today's episode. We'll also take a look at ESPN's recent list of the top 150 players of all time in college football, which was released Monday night. And of course, there were a few Penn Staters included in the mix. And then finally, in today's episode, we'll take a look at some of the latest updates from around the coaching carousel, see how Penn State fits into the things. Uh, a lot of assistant coaches have been uh, on the move and coming in and out of Penn State this round and on the coaching cycle, of course, as you would expect with some of the changes that have been going out there. We'll take a look at what's going on out there with some uh, Penn State assistants and former assistants and see where they're landing on their feet these days. If you enjoy this episode, make sure you're subscribed in your favorite podcasting apps such as iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio. We also have an RSS feed, so you can add it to any podcasting app I haven't mentioned. And if you want to subscribe and you want to help us out a little bit more, please take a free minute of your time whenever you get the chance. Leave a rating, leave a review. We appreciate the feedback, and it helps with the placement on those various podcasting apps. So we greatly appreciate any help you have in helping us spread the word about this podcast. 2020 is going to be a fun year, folks, and I can't wait to get started with some more podcasting with you very soon. Of course, we also want you to be a part of the show, so make sure you're following us on Twitter at LockedOnNittany. Check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash LockedOnNittany. You can submit questions to us at any time for inclusion in a mailbag feature. We won't have one in today's episode, but maybe for Friday, you can start sending in your questions now, and we'll get some of your answers, your questions answered before the weekend hits. So without any further delay, guys, let's get started with today's episode. I do like to have some positive spins every now and then, but unfortunately today we have to start with a little bit of a negative story regarding Penn State and head coach James Franklin. And before we get into it, first and foremost, I'm going to suggest right now, if you don't want to listen to this whole conversation, I don't think a whole lot is going to come out of this. So I wouldn't hit any panic buttons. And certainly there's going to be some people that are going to follow this story a little bit closely. But I think given some of the details that are already out there, I don't think Penn State or James Franklin are going to have a whole lot to be concerned about in the long-term future. But the bottom line is Penn State and James Franklin are going to be going through a little bit of a legal process because former Penn State football player who has since traveled or transferred to California, Isaiah Humphreys, filed a federal lawsuit Monday against Penn State and James Franklin and defensive lineman Damian Barber, alleging that he was the subject of hazing during his brief time at Penn State by Barber. Uh, he also mentioned a number of other Penn State players, including linebacker Micah Parsons, defensive lineman Yador Gross-Matos, who's, of course, heading off to the NFL, and another linebacker, Jesse Lucida. So, and one of the biggest points here in the lawsuit that drags James Franklin into this is he brought those concerns about the alleged hazing to Franklin and other members of the coaching staff. And it's accused that there was no reaction, no response from Franklin or the coaching staff in forms of 
disciplining for hazing or putting an end to any alleged hazing that had been going on. Of course, I wasn't there. You weren't there. We can only go off of the details that are in this initial lawsuit. And of course, the statements that have come out from Penn State since then, uh, confirming that they have investigated the uh, allegations here and found no evidence of uh, any wrongdoing. Information was passed over to the police office, police uh, in the area, and of course uh, the district attorney's office has decided there's nothing to really move forward on. And I, I can already hear some eyes rolling in the back of some people's heads because we've been down that path before. <laughs> and this is actually a pretty common uh, theme where a university will do an internal investigation and find no reason to believe that there's any real wrongdoing. It's happened at Penn State. It's happened at a number of other schools. We don't need to go down that path right now. Let's just focus on this current incident right now. And, of course, uh, Humphreys is uh, taking Penn State and James Franklin and defensive lineman Damian Barber to court to have this kind of resolution settled. I don't know where this is going to go. I'm no legal expert, and I'm going to be flat out honest with that. I don't know where this is going, but I will say this. I have seen these kinds of lawsuits filed before uh, from other former players at other schools, uh, having covered college football for NBC Sports uh, on College Football Talk uh, for as long as I have. I've seen this kind of uh, story play out before. And I don't, I'm not going to say what the motives are, or I'm not saying uh, what the uh, the real intent here is. I don't know if there was hazing that was going on that maybe should have been uh, cracked down on. Uh, and I'll be flat out honest, if there was hazing, I think we have to have some discipline. Uh, there has to be something done because that's intolerable. You cannot have that uh, within any program or any organization. Uh, and I'll be, uh, I'll be, yes. Fluent with that as possible throughout any walk of life. <laughs> if there's hazing going on, I don't want to, I don't want it to be continuing. I want it to be brought to an end. I want those responsible for it punished to whatever extent is necessary. Having said that, uh, and given some of the information that's out there and some of the denials that have come out uh, from Penn State, and of course a number of uh, Penn State players, past and present, have uh, chimed in on this as well on Twitter. Uh, saying that there's nothing to see here. <laughs> there's nothing uh, accurate about these allegations that are being made by Humphreys through this legal process. And I'm not here to say uh, that those players should be believed uh, because, you know, honestly, if I'm looking at this, I'm kind of expecting that players would be going to bat for their current teammates and their current program and the current coach, uh, unless he's a real unlikable guy that nobody wants to have around. Um, you know, I, so I kind of approach the story with a little bit of caution and just trying to look at both sides of this as from a neutral standpoint as possible. Uh, and given what's out there, I don't see this as something that is going to be too much of a concern uh, in the long-term future here. Uh, it is something that's going to be addressed, though. And I don't know how long this legal process will play out. I don't remember if there was a court date that was initially um, uh, reported just yet. If there was, I apologize for not knowing that off the top of my head. But I think this is going to be you know, it's a little bit of a distraction. But ultimately, I don't know how far this goes. I don't think this is something that's going to bring down the James Franklin era at Penn State. Uh, but I think uh, the timing is interesting. I will say that because James Franklin, of course, just signed up for a new six-year deal. Uh, I don't know how long uh, Humphreys was gathering the information to put together for this lawsuit. So I don't know if this is something that was rushed together and filed in a federal court um, after <laughs> any financial incentives were made. Of course, uh, he's not targeted as a defendant in this uh 
lawsuit, but dragging Yoda Gross Matus uh, into the mix by name uh, is pretty interesting too because uh, Gross Matus is going off to the NFL this year. So again, I don't know what the motives are. I don't know what the result is going to be, but I've seen these kind of hazing allegations made before and not much comes of it. That doesn't mean that it shouldn't be taken seriously because as I said earlier, uh, if there is hazing going on, I believe in a zero tolerance policy when it comes to that. That's just not my thing. I I don't agree with it. I don't think it should be existing in any organization, uh, certainly a football program. I understand there's going to be some, uh, there's going to be some teasing every now and then. I get it. And you can be lighthearted with some of that stuff out there, but with some of the, uh, the graphic and vile allegations that were made regarding these particular acts of hazing, that there's definitely crossing the line. Okay. Uh, I'll say that there is crossing the line when it comes to uh, putting freshmen through uh, the process of becoming a member of the program. And uh, given some of the things that were said here, I'm not going to repeat them on this podcast, but I I do think that uh, there's some sick stuff that was mentioned here. So if there's any truth to this, if there's any validity to this, something needs to happen. And if that ends up being the case, then kudos to Humphreys for coming forward with this. We'll see where this goes. We'll keep an eye on this and we'll kind of update this story as it continues to unfold moving forward. But there you have it. There's my initial thoughts on it. I don't think it's going to be something that's going to be a huge story uh, over the summer, but we'll see how this all plays out. And of course, we'll keep you updated on it as it continues to unfold. Coming up next, let's talk about something a little bit more lighthearted. ESPN put out the list of the top 150 players of all time in college football. And a handful of Penn State players were included in that list of 150 players. We'll take a look at that list in our next segment. Odds are, if you were watching college football this year, you've recognized that this was the 150th season of the sport of college football. From the first time that Rutgers and Princeton got together and said, let's play a scrimmage game of whatever they wanted to call it at the time, it eventually became known as college football. And of course, this has been a terrific few months if you are a fan of the history of the game or if you're just a junkie who wants to soak up as much information as possible. This has been the ultimate crash course on the history of the game. And of course, the NFL is doing the same thing with the NFL because this is the 100th anniversary of the National Football League. So if you are a football junkie or just a football historian and you love this kind of content, this has been the season for you because every media outlet seems to be putting out some terrific lists of the greatest players, the greatest games, the greatest seasons, the greatest storylines. I know ESPN has been all over this all season long. And unfortunately, I missed a lot of it because college football season is a very busy time for me. I don't have a, t- a lot of time to really dig into a lot of the stuff that's being put out there. But I would love to spend some time in the offseason going back and looking at all of these lists and all these documentaries that I know ESPN has been putting out and, of course, other outlets as well. I would love to be able to go back and sink my teeth into a lot of this stuff. One of the latest things or the last pieces that uh, was put out by ESPN was the top 150 players of all time in the sport of college football. And this is one of the featured segments on Monday night's telecast for the national championship game between LSU and Clemson. I think it was at halftime where they unveiled the top 11 players. or maybe it was the top nine players. I forget what the number was, but you had guys like Barry Sanders, Herschel Walker, Jim Brown. Who else was there? There was, um, I'm looking at the list right now. Uh, who did they have out there? They had uh, Bo Jackson. I don't think he, Bo Jackson was there. Archie Griffin, of course, the only two-time Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, you had uh, 
Jim Thorpe, Earl Campbell was there at the at the game. So you had a lot of terrific players. I mean, there's just no other way to say. It. I mean, you're on the top eight list, the top eleven list for the top 150 players of all time in this sport. Think about all the players that we have come through this game, and of course, whittling down the list to 150 players is no small task because there is a lot of uh, sticking points that need to be taken into consideration and there are some players on this list that I feel should have been included on the list somewhere but it's hard to argue against a lot of the players that are on here I do think the list tends to go deeper into the history books as I think a lot of people seem to be uh, wanting I think a lot of people were hoping to see a few more players from the more recent decades to be included on the list although there are a couple here and there I just feel like there are some really good players over the last 10 years, last 15 years, certainly the last 20 years, that probably deserved a little bit more consideration for being included on this list. But anyway, out of the top 150 players, Penn State landed four of them. And they were number 69, Jack Ham, of course, the star linebacker, way linebacker you what it is today, played from 1968 to 1970. He's the 69th ranked player in ESPN's 150 college football players list. Following him later on down the list is number 98, John Capaletti, Penn State's only Heisman Trophy winner in the program history. Then you dig into the 100s, you got number 102, LeVar Arrington. The most recent Nittany Lion on this list, and certainly deservingly so, I think uh, you'd be hard-pressed to find another linebacker over the course of the Big Ten era of Penn State football who best embodies what Penn State uh, linebackers are all about. Uh, certainly nobody has come close to touching him. Maybe Micah Parsons is on that track to come close. Uh, he's probably the closest Penn State has had to a LeVar Arrington type in quite some time. But LeVar Arrington, you know, he was a dynamic linebacker. And you could, you know, the LeVar leap. What more do you have to say about it? And he's actually the only player on this list that I personally ever got a chance to watch because all these other guys played in the 1960s. And the last one on the list was Mike Reed, of course, defensive lineman. He comes in at number 40, 145, played from 1966 to 1969. So you got three players, or actually four players that played for uh, Joe Paterno. The three of those players, of course, in the heyday of the late 60s, early 70s, uh, when Joe Paterno was really becoming a household name as far as head coaches are concerned. And really, uh, Penn State had some good success those years. There's no question about that. Uh, it is interesting to me that uh, LeVar Arrington is the only other player since 1973 to crack the list out of Penn State. And again, I think that there were some players that probably could have had a little bit more of a case to be made. Uh, Bobby Ingram, I think, honestly, probably could have been included on this list. Uh, but uh, it, again, this is a tough list to whittle down. you got so many college football players from all across the country in all the different conferences. And I'll have to go through the list again just to see who's out there. But I mean, you're digging into the heyday of college football, the mid-century of college football and you know the early 20s late 30s or you know you got guys like ernie davis who played at syracuse from 1959 to 1961 you got bronco nagurski i mean the guy's got an award named after him of course he has to appear on the list and he didn't play since 1929 so this list is all over the place covers a lot of ground of course but you know i think it's a uh, pretty indicative that Penn State had four players on there and three of them came within what a four-year span from 1968 to 1973 a five-year span uh, so that tells you how great that era of Penn State football really was uh, I think for Joe Paterno and in State College so uh, obviously 
if you were doing the list a little bit more recently, uh, just based on players from this century, I mean, guys like Saquon Barkley have to be on there. And I don't know how much uh, consideration this list takes into account NFL success. Uh, so certainly I, I don't think it should having been included for the purposes of this conversation. But if you're doing something from just since Penn State joined the Big Ten, I feel like John Carter would probably be worthy of the list, but I'll go back to Bobby Ingram. I think Bobby Ingram is actually the one player uh, from Penn State who I think probably should have been on this list that wasn't included. And I will take that to the great, but I'm going to talk about Bobby Ingram a little bit more in our next segment. But a couple of guys that I do think uh, should have been included on this list that didn't play for Penn State. You know, a lot of people are saying Kellen Moore, Boise State quarterback, all-time winningest quarterback in college football, should have been included on the list. I don't know if that's necessarily true, although if we're talking about best college players, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a more successful quarterback than uh, Kellen Moore. Uh, until you got to this guy uh, who plays for LSU, Joe Burrow, I mean, he's coming off a historically great season, just set the record for the most NCAA touchdown passes in a single season, getting to number 60 in the national championship game, of course, winning the Heisman Trophy and a number of other awards. And maybe the part, the problem with uh, Joe Burrow and his exclusion from this list is the fact that he really only had one great season, and it came uh, as this list was probably already being assembled. <laughs> this list has probably been going on and being uh, sorted together uh, months ago, if we're being honest with the, the way with that uh, Ivan Mazel, I'm sure, led the charge with this over at ESPN. Uh, so I think having Joe Burrow is not um, entirely out of the uh, realm of realistic possibilities that he just had his success a little bit too more too recently to be included in this although i'm curious about the conversation because baker mayfield's in here so i I do think that this list was probably assembled well before we knew just how great of a season joe burrow was going to have and again really only had one great season at lsu you know maybe if he did this last year for the tigers as well Maybe it's something different, but it'll be interesting. You know, I'm I'm not going to be around to see it, but when they do a ESPN puts together their college football 200 or 300, I should say, uh, I'd I'd be very curious to see how many players from the current generation are on there. Obviously, if it's a 300, I'm not going to be around to see it. So you guys still have to let my descendants know how that all played out. Uh, One other guy, Peter Wark. Why isn't Peter Wark on here? I mean, the guy was just phenomenal, and uh, I'm just going to leave it at that. All right, coming up on our next segment, we're going to take a look at the coaching carousel, take a look at some of the updates going on around the country with some of the assistant coaches. Of course, Penn State has been losing a bunch of assistant coaches to a couple of other jobs out there. We'll talk about that and get kind of caught up on that uh, since it's been a while since we talked about it. So coming up in our next segment, we'll talk coaching carousel and how it relates to Penn State. This is the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, Every day. Before we wrap up today's episode of the podcast, let's take a look at some of the latest updates from around the coaching carousel. And there are a couple of things just to keep an eye on as far as Penn State is concerned. And not so much that Penn State's going to lose many more assistants to other potential jobs, but there's some interesting things going on out there that I think we should just keep a close eye on. But first and foremost, let's talk about some of the assistants that have left the program. Uh, you know, we haven't really updated this in a while, so some of these changes are actually a little bit older than this current podcast. So bear with me. 
But of course, uh, when Ricky Ronnie left to become the uh, head coach at Old Dominion, it was kind of expected that he was going to take a few members of the Penn State staff with him. That's typically how it goes when a, an assistant coach or a coordinator leaves to become a head coach somewhere else. He's typically going to take some assistance with him from his previous stop. So not at all out of the ordinary. And I know in a previous podcast way back when we started to take a look at the early stages of the coaching carousel, I kind of suggested that there probably wasn't going to be a whole lot of uh, coaching turnover, not a lot of coaches leaving for other jobs. That was a big curveball to me when Ricky Ronnie actually became the head coach at Old Dominion because that changes the ballgame entirely. So if I had known that, certainly I would have had a different opinion. I didn't expect that Ricky Ronnie was going to become a head coach somewhere else. So obviously things have changed since my previous statement on that situation. And of course, with Ricky Vrani leaving to become the head coach at Old Dominion, uh, he's taking at least three assistants with him for now. Um, you know, lower level assistants on the coaching staff, but you know, guys that could always have been bumped up, giving some of the roster or the coaching turnover. But he will be taking uh, Kirk Campbell and Kevin Smith and Kevin Reiner. Uh, Kirk Campbell was a, the interim quarterback coach for the Cotton Bowl after Ricky Bonney had left the, for the program. Uh, and he was also the uh, offensive analyst for Penn State. So he's going to be getting a nice little promotion. He's going to be running the Old Dominion offense as the offensive coordinator. And he's also going to be taking on the role of quarterback coach. So that's a good opportunity. It's a, obviously a step up as far as the coaching profession is concerned, uh, going from an offensive analyst to offensive coordinator. It's a big jump, but it's not necessarily one, I think, at a school like Old Dominion, that should be overwhelming for, uh, uh, for Kirk Campbell. So we'll see how that all plays out for him uh, with Old Dominion. And, of course, a defensive grad assistant was the role that Kevin Smith had when he was with the program. He's actually going to be getting a bump up, too, as well. Uh, and, and that's typically the case. Assistants will typically get a, a bump up on the uh, on the coaching staff at their new job when they leave for the program uh, under situations like this. Uh, anyway, Kevin Smith is going to be going from a defensive grad assistant at Penn State to the linebacker coach and the special teams coordinator for Old Dominion. So he's hosting a couple of duties there. But, again... Good step up as far as the coaching profession is concerned for Kevin Smith, going from a defensive grad assistant to a linebacker coach and handling the special team. So we'll see how he divvies that up as well. And uh, Kevin Reiner was also an, an assistant, a grad assistant. He was working with the offensive line. Uh, he's now going to be the offensive line coach at Old Dominion. So again, a step up. And of course, uh, Penn State has brought in a new offensive line coach anyway, so uh, he wasn't going to be getting that promotion here. And uh, obviously, uh, change at the offensive line position on the coaching staff for Penn State was going to happen regardless because they let go of Matt Linegrover and uh, Brian Trotwing from uh, Boston College. And of course, uh, this is an opportunity for Kevin Reiner to get that next experience with the, the coaching position and the coaching duties of being an offensive line coach. So, We'll see how those all play out for Old Dominion. Again, lots of room to grow with that Old Dominion program overall. So we're going to see what Ricky Brownie and his uh, batch of Penn State assistants do. We'll see if the, any more assistants end up leaving Penn State for Old Dominion. But it looks like the staff is uh, really coming uh, to a settling point, I think, at Old Dominion for the most part. Uh, but Penn State was losing another assistant coach to another school. Uh, West Virginia has hired Penn State wide receivers coach Jared Parker. Uh, he's actually going to be the offensive coordinator 
for Neil Brown and the Mountaineers in Morgantown. Uh, just keep in mind, I know it's a, still a few years down the road, so things could obviously change between now and then, but Penn State will open up a home-and-home -home series with West Virginia in 2023. They'll play at home in Beaver Stadium against the Mountaineers in 2023, and they'll travel down to Morgantown in 2024. We'll see if Jared Parker is still around as the offense coordinator, because a lot of times coordinators, uh, they, they can be hit or miss, and we'll see uh, what this uh, job has for Jared Parker. But I, I, I think there's going to be, uh, some fun times ahead for Parker in West Virginia as they kind of get caught up in that Big 12 offensive mindset. Uh, so I would not be surprised if some big numbers are coming along for Parker uh, down in West Virginia. And I mentioned earlier when I was talking about the, the top 150 players of all time, but Bobby Engram, uh, former Penn State wide receiver, of course, He's been a receivers coach in the NFL for a while now. He's been with the Baltimore Ravens, who, of course, were eliminated from the postseason. Shockingly, I did not see that one coming by Mike Vrabel's uh, Tennessee Titans uh, over the weekend. Uh, so he's now on the job market. And I heard on the radio earlier today in the Philadelphia area that he's putting his name out there for some potential opportunities. And I don't know if it's to be an offensive coordinator or just being another wide receivers coach at another, pro or another franchise. I don't think that he would come to Penn State to be an assistant coach. But it's something that I would at least make a phone call about because if he's putting his name out there, uh, you got a chance to bring Bobby Ingram back to Penn State. I think there's some value there, especially given the accomplishments that he had as a wide receiver, as one of the top wide receivers in college football at the time in 94, 95, I think it was his last year. So, uh, I, And I think having that NFL experience, there's a lot to be benefited there uh, if Penn State were to bring in Bobby Ingram. Again, not saying that that'll be the case. I, I think that uh, James Franklin is probably not going to be able to, to lure Bobby Ingram back out of the NFL. I think Bobby Ingram seems pretty content on being in the NFL, and you know why not? You know he's got to, he gets to work with the best wide receivers in uh, in the game. <laughs> Even if he goes to the Philadelphia Eagles, he's going to get a chance to work with some of the best wide receivers. And uh, I, as an Eagles fan, I would say I would. Love to see Bobby Ingram come to the Eagles and work with these wide receivers and manage to find a way to actually get these guys to catch footballs because that'd be pretty fun <laughs> if Carson Wentz has a, uh, a chance to throw footballs and his guys will actually catch it. But that's another story for another podcast. But Bobby Ingram's out there. I'll, I'll keep the name on the radar, but I don't think he would be a guy that would actually come back to Penn State and be a part of this staff. Elsewhere, uh, head coaching changes. Uh, Baylor, of course, is looking for a new head coach. And as of the time of this recording, it looks like Justin Fuente, the head coach at Virginia Tech, is a top candidate for the job. And again, by the time this podcast releases, things could very well change. But there's a lot of reports that Baylor is really locked in on trying to lure Justin Fuente away from Virginia Tech. And you know that's that's interesting because, first of all, Justin Fuente and Virginia Tech hasn't exactly been working out the way I anticipated it would be. Uh, they seem to be regressing in the last couple of years. They did play in an ACC title game. I think that was Fuente's first season since coming over from Memphis as the head coach. Uh, but that Virginia Tech offense has not really taken off the way I anticipated it when Justin Fuente was hired by Virginia Tech. And there's a lot of stuff going on at Virginia Tech right now that is pretty unsettling <laughs> with uh, the, the stability of that program. The reason I point this out is because Penn State will play Virginia Tech next fall. In week two, September 12th, they're going to head down to Blacksburg to take on Virginia Tech. First ever time, first ever meeting between Penn State and Virginia Tech. And Virginia Tech could be scrambling to find a new head coach within the next couple of days if Baylor is able to lure him away. 
Now there's some com conflicting reports out there, conflicting information. You know, Justin Fuente could very well be staying at Virginia Tech. So it's just something to keep in mind. Uh, you know, there's one report saying that he's been uh, trying to lure assistants to Virginia Tech. That would suggest that he's not looking to leave Virginia Tech. But you never say never when it comes to the coaching carousel. And things are always on the move. Of course, Baylor is uh, looking to replace Matt Rule, a former Penn State player who is now the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. And he's already made a pretty big move on his assistant coaching staff by taking Joe Brady, a former Penn State grad assistant uh, who was brought in by James Franklin, who has been with the New Orleans Saints and now is coming off a wildly successful season as LSU's passing game uh, coordinator. And, of course, you saw what LSU passing game did this year with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. And uh, they just put up some crazy numbers this year. And that continued in the national championship game against Clemson. Why not? I mean, strike while the iron is hot. And Joe Brady is doing that. He's going to be going uh, from LSU to the Carolina Panthers and be the offensive coordinator for Matt Rule. So that's a great addition for Matt Rule. And so if you were hoping that Joe Brady was going to be coming back to Penn State, it did look like he, or I think some of the reports were out there after the championship game that he was looking to get back into the NFL. The NFL is the highest uh, rung on the ladder as far as coaching is concerned. So, you know, any, a lot of assistants, you know, they're content sticking in the college game or pursuing a college football head coaching opportunity. But as we saw Bill O'Brien, and Bill O'Brien said this when he was the head coach, you know, an, an opportunity to coach in the NFL, not a whole lot of them exist. So if one comes along and it's a good situation for you, some coaches are going to take that because that is, uh, you know, everybody wants to be better and they want to achieve success at the highest level. Coaching the NFL is, admittedly, the highest level that you can get when it comes to football. So, you know, Joe Brady going back to the NFL, where he's going to get a chance to work with a guy like Christian McCaffrey. You know, I think um, I, I think the Panthers certainly have some room to grow offensively. So that's a great hire for Matt Rule. Uh, that's, a, that's a great way to get your career started off as a head coach of the NFL franchise for Matt Rule, getting Joe Brady to run your plays. So we'll see how that all works out for them as quickly as they can get it going with the Carolina Panthers. But again, just pointing out there that Baylor is looking for a head coach. Justin Fuente is reportedly a top target, but we'll see. Maybe by the next time I do this podcast, uh, we'll know more information about that and how it relates to an upcoming Penn State opponent. And one other head coaching change, uh, Washington State has hired Nick Rolovich, the head coach from Hawaii. He's going to replace Mike Leach, who left to take on the Mississippi State head coaching job, which, of course, was vacated or opened up, I should say, when Mississippi State decided to fire former Penn State offense coordinator Joe Moorhead. Joe Moorhead appears to be landing at Oregon as an offense coordinator, which I think is a perfect fit for him. Uh, you know, certainly be, going back to being an offense coordinator is a good uh, spot to be in for Joe Moorhead. And we saw what he was able to do at Penn State. Fully expect that he's going to be able to do that at Oregon under Mario Cristobal. That Oregon team is legit. They're not going anywhere. They're going to be a legitimate Pac-12 contender for years to come now, I think. Uh, they're back to playing at that high level in the Pac-12 and very curious to see how Joe Moorhead fits in. I think he's going to fit in just fine. And I think with that Oregon offense is going to be dangerous uh, for years to come <laughs> as long as he's there. Uh, again, he may get a head coaching opportunity again. I, I think he will certainly be on the radar for those opportunities, uh, su supposing he has success at Oregon, which I don't see any reason to suggest why he won't. I think he'll have similar success at Oregon, if not better, than he did at Penn State because uh, they've got some players to work with, <laughs> even though they're going to have some new players and new faces uh, in some key spots next year. Uh, that Oregon team is going to be very dangerous with Joe Moorhead as the offensive coordinator. And to wrap it all up, it's staying in that Pac-12 North division, 
Washington, who of course has moved on with a new head coach after the sudden retirement of Chris Peterson, they hired another former Penn State offensive coordinator to be their offensive coordinator, John Donovan. So we obviously know that John Donovan's offense was not all that thrilling at Penn State, and now he's going to have to look to find ways to keep up the pace with potentially Joe Moorhead in Oregon in the Pac-12 North. I think the power has shifted in that Pac-12 North. It certainly did this past season. And the way that things are trending right now and the way that the offensive coordinator hires have worked out, I fully expect that Oregon's got the upper hand out there in the Pac-12 North. And that's going to do it for today's episode of the Locked On Nittany Lines podcast. If my voice sounds a little nasally, I apologize. I am fighting off a little bit of a cold, but I'm happy I was able to power through this episode for you guys get back on our schedule. We are trying to work out an off-season schedule, so it's kind of a work in motion right now. So stay with us, bear with us as we get things figured out, as we try to give you as much commentary as we possibly can. Uh, we'll get this all sorted out with the off-season schedule, but, so stay tuned. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at Locked on Nittany. Check out our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash Locked on Nittany. We're going to do some fun stuff on that Facebook page very soon, maybe even a Facebook live chat with you guys. So if you want to get connected with that right now so you never miss it. And speaking of never missing, make sure you're subscribed to this podcast on all of your favorite podcasting apps such as iTunes and Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. We've got an RSS feed, so if I didn't mention your favorite podcasting app, you can add it to your podcasting app of choice. And if you want to help us out a little bit more in 2020, leave a rating, leave a review. We're looking to really grow this show this year, and now is a good time to do that so we can get the off-season community building as we go through the the next few months leading up to the next college football season should be a lot of fun i'm gonna have some stuff for you guys that we're gonna get into i think it's gonna be pretty fun but in tomorrow's episode there will be an episode tomorrow make sure you submit your questions we want to take your mailbag questions we want to answer all of your questions so fill up our twitter mentions with as many questions as you possibly can and we'll get to them all in tomorrow's episode i promise you we will answer every question Penn State, non-Penn State. doesn't even have to be about college football. Send me your questions. We're going to answer all your questions in tomorrow's episode. So make sure you fill up the Twitter mentions right now on our Twitter account at LockedOnNittany. Speaking of which, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm Kevin McGuire. You can follow me on Twitter at KevinOnCFB. And, of course, you can check out my national coverage of college football on AthonSports.com and college football talk on NBCSports.com. So come back tomorrow, guys. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Have a great day. Go 1-0 today if you can. And we will talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. I'll talk to you tomorrow.